Hi, and welcome to episode 63 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor at iPhone Life. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. Uh, Before we jump into this episode, we want to talk to you about our sponsor, David, take it away. All right. So uh, our first sponsor for today's show is Tablift, uh, and we've talked about them before. If you're watching the video, I'm going to actually pull up the Tablift because we brought it in today. Everybody get ready. And if you're listening to the audio version, you can always go to iphonelife.com podcast. There you'll see all of the blog posts for each episode along with the video version so you can see the tablet in action. (laughs) So you can see it's kind of got these spider legs. Basically what it is, if you use your iPad, uh, what I find, when, when people ask me why should you own an iPad, what I tend to tell people is iPads are ideal for consuming content, whereas... The laptop is ideal for creating content. If you're a graphic designer, you're probably going to use a laptop or a computer. Uh, As you can see, if you're watching the video, the legs are very adjustable. (laughs) Uh, Now maybe you can see my face too. Uh, (laughs) So uh, if you're you're a graphic designer, you're creating content, uh, using a laptop is really probably the way to go. But if you're going to either just check your email, check Facebook, browse the web, it's a very nice intimate experience using your iPad and what a lot of people do including me is they use their iPad from bed. I'll check my I'll check the news in the morning, I'll check my email before I go to bed and usually the iPad screen is at an angle that faces away from you, which is perfect if you're sitting up but mm-hmm. is not ideal if you're kind of lying down in bed. So what this does is it has these four legs that kind of create a stand for the iPad and you can see here the iPad is angled towards you which is ideal if you're laying in bed or kind of reclined in any reclined position from sitting down. It also has the ability to angle it, I'll just show people who are watching, as kind of a straight up or facing away. It's super easy to secure. It has this clasp on the back and you just clasp it in and it'll secure itself. So that's uh, the that's Tablift. Uh, it's available. You can go to, get on Amazon for thirty nine dollars, and um, I love it. I use it at home, and it's it's great. It looks. We're not. I'm not gonna lie. It looks a little bit. Uh, it, it's like a, a spider. Like a spider. <laughs> uh, like a spider. But I, to me, it's worth it. To be honest, and so I, I enjoy using it. I just want to chime in and say I tried it out and. The hardest thing about reading or watching a movie when you're lying down is I like to lie on my side, Mm -hmm. which means like I really need to see the iPad at an angle. Mm -hmm. And the legs are so adjustable that you can actually have the iPad instead of sort of being like perpendicular to your bed, it can actually be like at an angle that matches how your head is. And that's... That's pretty amazing. It's pretty customizable. That's actually... And it doesn't really work with two people to watch a movie but it's really like if you're I feel like it's perfect for watching any kind of like movie or tv show in bed and and being able to just really lie down in the most comfy position yeah we'll have to put a plug into uh Scott at Tablift to do a two-person one because I definitely have the same (laughs) thing sometimes you want to lay in bed and you want to watch a movie it's great if you're doing that yourself (laughs) but it doesn't fit two people unless you're really thin people (laughs) (laughs) yeah and this seems like a great way to avoid dropping your phone on your face when you're laying down this in bed. This is true as well. <laughs> your, uh, your iPad. iPad on your face, yes. Yeah, which can be a hazard. So that's, that's the tablet. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely go check it out. 
Um, next, we want to tell you about our tip of the day or our tip of this episode. Uh, as you know, we have our really popular daily newsletter called the Tip of the Day newsletter. And if you sign up for that, we send you one minute tips that teach you something cool you can do with your iOS devices. Uh, so if you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up for it there. This week, we had a tip um, that teaches you how to change your move goal on your Apple Watch. Most of our t- daily tips are um, about your iPhone because, you know, we, m- all the people who subscribe have iPhones. But we do like to put in tips for your Apple Watch, too, because uh, a lot of our users have that as well. We have Apple Watches here and love them. Yes. Um, <laughs> each week, you get a weekly summary of your activity when you have an Apple Watch. And at that time, you have an opportunity to change your move goal. And uh, Apple actually recommends a change to you if you're doing really well it'll recommend say like hey why don't you go a little more or or if you're not doing so well <laughs> yeah being like, let's give you a more realistic goal but there could be times when you want to change your move goal um midweek if you just decide you want to change it so all you have to do is you tap the activity icon on your apple watch then you hard press and a menu will pop up that'll give you the option to see your, I think it's believe your weekly summary, and below that, the option to change your move goal. So you can tap change your move goal and do that right there. I think one of the things that makes these daily tips so useful is Apple has started really integrating 3D Touch into so many of their apps right. and so much of their operating system. But the problem with the, the reason why they're doing that is it gives you the ability to access a lot more settings on a screen without taking up screen real estate. The problem with that, though, is because it's not taking up screen real estate, there's no visual cue for it. Yeah. Which makes these, uh, to me, those are often some of my favorite tip of the days, are things you can do when you're 3D touching that you didn't know. And that's, to me, iOS 11 takes that and puts it on steroids. Like iOS 11, there's so many things that are now 3D touch, like your control center, and it's hard to know all of them intuitively. So I, to me, like I had no idea I could do that. You can actually yeah. 3D touch things in the control center now. Yes, you can, and I discovered that recently. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, with iOS 11, like you said, it's going to be on steroids. It's going to be 3D touching all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Next, I want to tell you about our insider program, iPhone Life Insider. Uh, That's our premium subscription where you get video guides as well as video versions of our daily tips. And we have more than 800 video tips now and so when you sign up you can see them by category so you can go and view all the tips about a specific area that you're interested in also we have video guides for everything from your ipad to your apple tv also we always have a guide as soon as the new ios version comes out so in september we'll have the ios 11 guide and that'll be a comprehensive guide that will you know teach walk you through exactly how to use all the new features um so We also have a feature with Insider called Ask an Editor, and that allows you to ask any of your tech-related questions when they arise, and Sarah here is the one who answers, researches, and answers these questions. So she is going to share with us our Insider question, her favorite recent Insider question. All right, well, this is actually Apple Watch related, too. Um, (laughs) Apple Watch week. So the Insider wrote me and said, I have an iPhone 7 with 10.3.2, as well as an Apple Watch Series 2 that I carry with me when I exercise. Um, I can walk for 30 minutes according to the watch, and the activity tracker indicates that I've only walked for 23 minutes. 
how can I adjust or calibrate the tracker to better monitor my actual activity? So the Apple Watch will only track your activity. Like there's three rings. There's, you know, active calories, standing, and activity. And that's the activity is a green ring. And if it records you doing a certain amount of exertion, then it will record like a minute of activity. So if you're taking a walk and you're it's a leisurely walk, it might not show that every minute of that mm-hmm. walk was activity. Mm-hmm. Um and so, so that's what it, it means. So it's not like every like activity you do is not actually going to be recorded as activity. Um, you can increase the accuracy of that activity tracking by tracking your walk as a workout. Um, but of course, when you track workouts, I found I can track two to three hours of workouts throughout the day before I have to charge my battery on my Apple mm. Watch. I have the original Apple Watch. And I have a 38 millimeter. If you have a newer one, if you have a 42 millimeter Apple Watch, your battery life may vary. Um, but if you feel uh, like your Apple Watch is not actually accurately recording your actual exertion, even if you're tracking it, say, as a workout, um, one good thing to do is update your personal statistics. Um, so you can open the watch app on your iPhone and tap My Watch Health Edit. And then make sure your weight, your height, your age, which all affect how many calories you actually burn and how much Mm -hmm. exertion counts as activity. And so make sure those are listed accurately and then tap done. And then if you feel like it's a GPS problem, like it's not tracking your steps accurately, um, you can reset your Apple Watch's calibration data in in the iPhone Apple Watch app again. in the My Watch tab, you go to Privacy, Motion and Fitness, and Reset Calibration Data. Um, but once you reset that data, you basically have to recalibrate. So you'll have to go for a walk, and um, so well, you, you have to bring your iPhone, right? Well, the Apple Watch Series Two has GPS, but you have oh, to go right, for like yeah. a twenty-minute walk, and and also you have to make sure location services are on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is in, in the privacy setting of your iPhone setting apps, not just the Apple Watch app. And so, and so once you've done that, you can go for like a, a twenty-minute walk, and this will your then your watch will learn this is how far they go in twenty minutes, and then can get a more accurate step count. Is it supposed to be a walk, or could it be like a run? Or it could be a run. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. But just basically, yeah, and. And I think probably if you, you have to track it as a workout so that they're measuring your heart rate and they're really like measuring your location because to save battery, the Apple Watch is not constantly monitoring your heart rate, not constantly monitoring your location Mm -hmm. as much. So I think I'm going to try this because I've been suspecting for a while (laughs) this could just be wishful thinking, but I feel like when I do workouts... I'm getting a really low overall active calorie burn. So it seems yeah. suspicious to me. There's a couple of things. Like one, the less you weigh, um, the fewer calorie, calories you'll burn. Mm-hmm. Also, I've noticed your Apple Watch is pretty loose right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have. It might be my claustrophobia. I don't like like anything to feel right. too tight. So you know, maybe if you prefer to wear your Apple Watch loosely, which I can totally understand, you might want to tighten the band right before you exercise and then loosen mm. it again when you're finished. That's a good tip. That's awesome. So, if you know, if you sign up for iPhone Life Insider, you can get tips like Sarah just shared with you. And the, these are the sort of issues that come up that are kind of individual, and it can sometimes be hard to find answers 
online. So um, having us as a resource can be so helpful. So iphonelife.com insider to sign up. Now let's discuss our Apple complaints and learning of the week. <laughs> what do you guys have for us? Well, again, Apple Watch, I oh, learned... Oh, wow, this is like an Apple Watch episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I learned um, that you can customize what metrics you see on your Apple Watch in the workout app for individual workouts. Oh, Because that's really sometimes, cool. like, I'll be How tracking... How do you do this? I need to know. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, if you've ever, like, tracked a run or, say, or some other kind of workout and you're like okay, it's really nice to see, you know, like how many calories I've burned overall. But what I'd really like to know is what my pace is. Um, You don't have to live with that lack of information. You can go to the Apple Watch app on your iPhone. And let's see, I was doing this earlier and now I'm... So you can go into that and you can go into the settings and go to workout. And... um, there should be a place a setting for metrics and you go there and there'll be a list of individual workouts that you can choose exactly which metrics you choose you track for that workout and you can have up to five I think there's generally about four but you can add a, a fifth one and you can remove some um, you just tap edit in the right corner in order to do that and then tap done when you're finished if you have iOS 11 this is what was crashing for me a lot <laughs> when I was doing hmm. it earlier so as I mentioned in the previous podcast, but I'm really excited because, you know, I, I want to know my pace rather than how many overall calories I've burned so far mm-hmm. on the run. That's not nearly as useful to me when I'm running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really cool tip. So you're trying to get faster, basically, and so that that's... Well, I mean, I'm trying to maintain a certain pace, mm. but also it's just useful to know, like... You can't always tell, like, if you're tired, it feels like you're, like, working really hard and maybe you're going slowly, or it feels like you're going really slowly, but maybe you are doing your normal pace, you're just kind of hot. It's really, I know. I, I find kind of, that really useful, I'm terrible too. at judging my pace, basically. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about the Apple Watch the most is that it does make you realize that your perceptions of what's happening are just not <laughs> yeah. often in line with what's actually happening. First of all, I always think that I work out more than I do. <laughs> and I think that I sit less than I do. And yeah, and like I don't always know, and I still don't know because I haven't been using this tip of Sarah's, what my pace is like like compared to how I'm feeling that day. I mean, that's something I use a lot. I, I tend to use... I, I have my activity tracker on my Apple Watch, but I use the app RunKeeper, uh, which has, it'll, as I'm running, so I don't have to look at my watch, it'll give me my pace uh, for the split, which I guess this can count as my app of the week suggestion, RunKeeper. Uh, it's free, I like it. Uh, and um, I definitely, to me, that's one of the things I always look at is my pace, because sometimes, like you said, I'll be really tired, and it turns out I'm just running a little faster than I normally do, and I'm like, all right, I'll slow down to my average pace because it's killing me. Other times, like, I'll be, like, actually running pretty slow but really tired, and I'll be more likely to kind of push through. Because uh, you're, like, slower than your average um, pace? Yeah. Well, I'm like, okay, I'm just, like, the, it, it helps me know how hard I should push myself because i played so many sports that I have, an, a, like, a, just a tendency to push myself too hard and then really wear myself right. out by the end of the run. So it helps me to kind of gauge, have an objective gauge of how hard should I push myself. And is RunKeeper better at, like, basically keeping you updated on how you're doing and... One thing that the Apple Watch doesn't do that well, I think, is give you context and be like, this is, you know, 
you're not at your average or you're, yeah. you know, like the Apple Watch doesn't really, like you have to kind of do that for yourself. Yeah. And like in terms of your heart rate, in terms of your pace, like giving you little feedback. Yeah. RunKeeper is a lot more customizable. First of all, it keeps track of all of your other runs, which uh, Activity Tracker does somewhat. But when you're running, it'll tell you your average pace for that split, which you can set. So for me, I do it every two minutes. So it'll tell me my average pace for those two minutes, my average pace for the run. Mm. And you can have it tell you your average, how that compares to your average pace overall. So it does give you some kind of balance in terms of understanding cool. how you're doing, not just in those two minutes, but how you're doing kind of overall. Cool. Yeah. And it'll tell you kind of, this was your, when at the end of the run, it'll be like, this is your third fastest run of the season or whatever. Cool. So my complaint this week is more, it's more of like an open question I just wanted to talk <laughs> about. And it may just be our question of the week as well. Um, so reactions... This is a feature that Apple released with iOS 10 that lets you uh, firmly press a message or just press and hold if you don't have a 3D touch mm-hmm. device. And then you're given some choices of reactions. Like you can heart something, you can do a thumbs up or thumbs down, like a laughing symbol. And so I've found this to be a really convenient feature, but it feels a little bit like you're just being lazy and rude by using them and you're not 100% (laughs) sure that the other person saw or noticed that you responded. Uh So I wanted to get your take on this because I like using it because sometimes I'm also someone who's not that good at keeping up with my phone all the time. Like I don't always respond in a timely manner. Um, And so I found this to be a nice shortcut, but like, I don't know. Are people even considering that a response? What do you guys think? I I feel like it's kind of like, have you ever sent an emoji because you felt like a text required a response, but you also yeah. kind of just wanted to end the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like the <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a shortcut for that in a lot of ways. So I think it can count as a response to something that doesn't require like a continued conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't think it's, it's like a full like we're having a conversation response. Hmm. And I also think you need to be aware that like not like people who don't have iPhones won't see it that way. They'll just get like a text message that says like so-and-so hearted your, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is weird. Just better than nothing. Well, also but, in the yeah. message preview, I'm pretty sure that's what happens even on your iPhone. You'll, yeah. you'll see like a weird little thing. It'll be like Donna liked your, your message. Yeah, like, which like, I mean, it, it looks weird, but in a way I'm happy because it is making it more like apparent to the other person that I did something instead yeah. of like they may or may not notice that there's a little thumbs up tagged to their yeah. message. Yeah, notification is important because nobody's like checking and rechecking to see if they liked my message. One yeah. thing I dislike about it is in, in the context of a group message, you can't see all of the reactions because it sort of shows up as a little heart on top of your message in the conversation. And you just see the last reaction. So if one person hearts it and another person laughs or gives a thumbs up, you only see the last but one. Can't you yeah. expand that? And yeah, see I all actually. Of it? Can you? I don't I know if can. this is iOS 10 or iOS 11 because I just discovered it with iOS 11, but it may have already been there. But so if you, I noticed that. But if you do tap the the little bubble there, then it'll expand and show you all the different people and their reactions. I'm, yeah, I'm I pretty sure I feel like sure that's more effort than I want to put into knowing people's reactions, <laughs> Yeah, honestly. well, and that's a little bit of the challenge of it. Yeah, I, what do you think? I, I agree with Sarah. I think that it is a useful feature. I think it's more useful, but it's not a replacement of a conversation. In other words, 
it's more if you kind of it, it's a replacement of like the thumbs up emoji or something if something just somebody sends you something really matter of fact and you want to confirm that you saw it but don't want to like d- it doesn't require response that's nice but yeah. like it even if like somebody says like lol that's awesome like even something that like could be a replacement to a like a heart or a like to me i i I, that's a different level of communication it feels more like okay they saw it they liked it because so i think like if i sent somebody like a long message and they just liked it i'd feel a little weird similarly i had a friend who used to do this where like i'd send them a long message and then they'd just send me like a thumbs up emoji and i'm like (laughs) all right great (laughs) yeah well i guess here's another question are you glad that reactions are a feature or do you wish that it wasn't even there because it's this weird in-between communication funnily enough just this week i had that thought of oh i actually really like that it is a feature because there is a time and place where it's useful yeah i mean when people send me pictures of cute dogs or children of course i want to be able to like heart it and then i might say like oh my gosh your nephew is so cute but like i feel like it just cute children and animals require like that extra little bit of like mm. appreciation. <laughs> this okay, is true. This is good to hear. I think I might feel more confident in using reactions now, you know, based on the parameters we've set out because I was wondering before if people were seeing them and it sounds like people are. There, there's this great uh, Onion article from way back when where it was like, Ice Queen sends email without exclamation mark after thanks. <laughs> uh, and I feel it, it, it's kind of relevant to this in that like it's a, it's a difficult medium because there's so it, it's ripe for like misunderstanding and people not un, un, understanding your intention. And yeah. you, you had this story from back in the day where Apple Watch has autoresponders and one of them is just okay. And somebody sent you something, right? You can tell that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Rayanne, actually, who messaged me something, and I just wrote back, okay, period, I think was one of the yeah. auto responses, and I came in, and she's like, is something wrong? Yeah. Like, it's the office, like, what's going on? And it happened to a few different places where people were like, "Yeah, I, she's in a really bad mood today, uh-huh. is she being passive-aggressive with me? Yeah. <laughs> I've customized my auto response, like, text messages to put exclamation points and emojis in them. Me too. I've totally and done that exact thing. As an thing. editor, like, if I'm really, like, not into exclamation points, but I probably, I mean, like, people probably think I overuse them. Like, when I'm texting, if I, you know, like, I'm always going to, like, throw in the exclamation points and the emojis because otherwise, you know, like, we should totally link to the Keen Peel, like, sketch about like a text conversation where one person thinks they're having like a friendly conversation and the other person thinks they're going to throw down when they meet up because (laughs) they're so angry. There's a great Seinfeld about this too, actually. So this predates texting. Um, (laughs) David, do you have a complaints in learning? Yes, I do. Just to wrap up why I'm talking about all this, texting is a difficult medium. So I think it is, while I do think there is a time and place for the reactions and I like the reactions, I think that, uh, err on the side of over-communicating. If, if mm-hmm. somebody sends you something and you're not sure, err on the side of actually responding. And so really, the only, in my opinion, the only time to use the reaction is if it's so obvious that like there isn't, that nobody would expect a reaction other than just an okay or a kind of a heart in addition to a comment. I think it's just nicer to err on the, on the side of over-commenting. What I will add to this as someone who's not 
who really kind of resents feeling too attached to my phone at mm-hmm. all times. That I think I do think sending a reaction rather than nothing is yes, better than definitely. That, that if right. like you're feeling like you just really want to put down your phone for the night and you want to like wrap up a couple conversations, <laughs> I feel like you know, it might not be the best way in terms of feeling level, but it might, but it's still better than nothing. Yes, it, yeah. and it's a lot better than nothing. <laughs> so I think this is a great question of the week. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys think about this? Uh, send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com. I have a learning. Does okay. You sound like you're about to say something that's there. I was just going to give a plug for writing short text messages in general. Like if you need to send like a multi-paragraph text, please call people. I know yes. people don't call anymore. Those texts make me angry. <laughs> I, I know. I'm like, I didn't know I have to write a novel today. <laughs> well, in, in, in particular, unloaded subjects. I know we don't yeah. tend to get too far into psychology and relationship advice and stuff. Don't send a long text, in a, like especially in relationships, like on a loaded topic. It never goes well. Text fighting is the worst. Yeah. People can't read your inflections. Yeah. One time, uh, my boyfriend was a little annoyed with me. But when I read the text, I thought he was, like, screaming at me. Yeah, exactly. You know? And then it's like, phone call could have, like, heard the inflection in his voice and known, like, it wasn't a big deal. It was there's not like so, the apocalypse. There's like, so yeah. many levels of emotion that are communicated through voice and in person through body language that it's just really better. Um, so, and to that note, go to iphonelife.com slash podcast and we'll link to that key and peel sketch, which just sums this up perfectly. Yes, and I think um, we are on a bit of a time crunch today, so we're going to get to our apps and gear shortly, but I think David yes, had Yes, I have a quick learning of the week. Yeah. Uh, so, and this one's a little bit longer, so I'm going to take a little bit more time, and, I don't, and I, I'll skip my app and gear recommendation at the okay. end. So, my dad did this thing, and we've talked about it a few times. He set, <laughs> sorry, I roll at parents. Uh, he set a passcode on his phone and then for, didn't know what it was. He just accidentally set it, didn't know what it was, and then tried to figure out what it was. He had changed it to an alphanumeric passcode from a six <laughs> digit, didn't know what it was, tried it repeatedly until he just straight up bricked his phone. <laughs> oh no. So a, a lot of oh, learnings no. came from this from our family. <laughs> so from my family to yours, let me explain to you a few things. Uh, number one, uh, resetting passcodes. Apple, it, it, some of this is Apple's fault. Apple should not let you set a passcode that you cannot reset, which is what a passcode is on your iPhone. There is no way to reset it. Very, uh, There's no easy way to reset it. Let's put it that way. Well, with your phone locked. With your phone locked. Yeah. So once your phone gets locked, if you don't remember what your passcode was, you're... You, you can solve it, and I'll explain to you a little bit how, but it's tricky. So number one, be cautious when setting up a new phone, setting up that passcode, making sure it's something you remember. Um, personally, I actually always change mine back to the four-digit passcode because it's easier to remember. That's not the best security tip, but that's a good security tip for not forgetting your passcode. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, if you do forget your passcode, don't try it over and over again till you brick your phone. Uh, we have a good tip for if you've forgotten your passcode, but your phone is, and your phone is locked but not bricked yet. Uh, bricked basically means it just said iPhone is disabled. Plug your iPhone into iTunes. So uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that. Our our web writer Connor came up with this really cool tip that we I, I've never heard of before. So so it's really cool. We'll link to that if this ever happens to you. Uh, number three point. So I then got to this really annoying place where my phone said or his phone said. 
your iPhone is disabled, plug into iTunes. You plug it into iTunes and I got an error message that essentially said, your iPhone is disabled, unlock it on your phone to connect to oh iTunes. My God. And it's it was like- this like downward spiral where there was nothing I could do. So if you ever find yourself in any situation where you're getting confusing error messages, something that I think is underutilized is Googling those confusing error messages. Just word for word, whatever that error message is that's confusing you, Google it, and usually somebody else has had that problem and there is a solution. Um, So that's what I did. And what you ended up having to do is if you hold down your, um, if you hold down, I think it's the, power button and the volume button on the new phone Hmm. it'll reset it but if you actually if you keep holding it down it'll turn off your phone and then turn it back on in a different recovery mode that I didn't know about. I don't know and if you guys knew about And it's only when you're plugged into mode. iTunes. Is that, is that, yeah. Okay, so yeah, there so you I've go. Had to do this. If it's plugged into iTunes, you can do this. It puts in recovery mode and then you can restore your phone from a backup. So we have uh, one more sponsor for this episode and that's Graphic Stock. Graphic Stock has a large collection of amazing stock photos. So uh, if you are someone who has a website or even just for casual use, you this is a really affordable option to have stock photography that you have full rights to and uh, can use in any medium that you want. Right now, I think there's a seven-day free trial if you go to graphicstock.com. Is it slash iPhone life? Slash iPhone. Graphicstock.com slash iPhone, and you get a free seven-day trial. And Graphicstock, even after that seven-day trial, it's, first of all, if you do any type of creative work, you need to have royalty-free images. Right. And this is what Graphicstock is. Second of all, Graphicstock is one of the most affordable options out there. Really high-quality images and really affordable. Right, and you really want to be careful about if you just Google images and then just like copy them and put them in your own stuff, chances are if they're a good image, they belong to AP or Getty, and those guys are serious about going after their images, so... We've, yeah. been, we've been sued, fun fact, we've been sued. So <laughs> this was before my time here, and uh, we now have only royalty-free images thanks to Graphic Stock, and uh, so yeah, you don't want to Google a photo and use it because you'll get sued. <laughs> and I was checking out Graphic Stock recently. They have a whole new collection of really cool lifestyle images that mm-hmm. they just put up, so I feel like they're always adding new collections of really great stuff that you should check out. Absolutely. Uh, So to get into our gear section, I know Sarah and I have been using some fun uh, kind of office desk items. Our mine is a desk and hers is something very (laughs) unique that I really want her to tell everyone about. Because we can hear her pedaling from the other room. It's supposed to be quieter than that. Unique I... is one word for it. Go hey. ahead, Sarah. Hey, it burns 150 She's gonna calories live an hour. I'll just have you know. So I'm actually like a really twitchy, fidgety person. It's kind of a running office joke that I've played footsie with like every person in the office. Just it's true. I'm just like twitching, like my feet are jiggling under the table during meetings. And... Um, I now have an underdesk elliptical called the Cubi. There's a lot of different brands. Um, this one is cool because it it has a low enough profile that you don't really hit your knees too badly on your desk. You, I mean, I actually ended up taking out the drawer of my desk, but uh, I think my desk's kind of low. Um, so it's designed to prevent like hitting your knees on your desk. And there's an app that you know tracks. Your distance, say if you want to set a goal, like I'm going to pedal to New York or something. (laughs) Um, And it tracks the calories burned, although if you track it on your Apple Watch, you'll get a more accurate um, 
reading of how many calories you burn. Um, and it's just great. It's like, it, it's really, if you tend to like be a fidgety person, if you want to get a little more activity when you're sitting at a desk all day, I really love it. I kind of set it up as a joke and I'm like kind of addicted to it now. <laughs> and every, I don't even care that everyone makes fun of me. <laughs> I love it. Well, the other thing that's funny about it too, because we've talked about them in the past, but we all have activity sharing uh, for with our Apple Watches. So all day while I'm at work, I get little notifications telling me how many calories Sarah's burning from this elliptical, <laughs> I <know. laughs> which I think is half the reason she's doing it. So <laughs> um, yeah, probably. Well, it's cool because Treadmill desks, I think, right now are considered the best thing you can do for your health. Mm -hmm. Having a standing desk is awesome, which uh, I wanted to mention the autonomous standing desk that uh, Connor's using right now, which you can raise and lower so that you can, you know, have intervals of sitting and standing. I'm really jealous of this desk. And so that's considered way better for your health. But actually using a treadmill is better because you're not, even when you're standing, you're still stationary and, you know, over and time can things can be pool. hard on your joints to just mm -hmm. stand. Yeah. So I think like in terms of a budget way to be doing what's recommended right now, this seems so cool. I like it. <laughs> Clearly, since I use it constantly. <laughs> Fortunately, I have a really like good natured office mate. <laughs> so Who has big headphones. Right. Yeah. Um, Connor's desk, I think it's around $200, but I, yeah, I wanted to mention that I had the impression previously that standing desks were like a thousand, thousands of dollars mm -hmm. investment, but there are options out there that are great that are really more in the $200 range. <clears throat> and I also wanted to mention an at-home desk that I recently bought at Costco, and it's, um, which I'm obsessed with Costco. You should definitely become a member, but um, <laughs> you can also order it online, and it's the Bayside Furnishings Writing Desk, and it has uh, two outlets, like wall outlets, and then also two USB outlets built That's into really the desk. Cool. So one thing that I hate is like a lot of times when I work at home, I'm just sitting on my couch, and I have my laptop plugged into the wall, but it's really short, so I have to be like sitting really close to the wall. And my iPhone is dying and it's really annoying. But so with this, I can be sitting at my desk, have my devices charging while I'm working. And I feel like that's something that's really nice. And also you have limited cords because mm -hmm. you have like everything you need right there. Well, and I went the opposite, opposite route from my home desk where I have a desk made by the Amish. <laughs> so there's no cables built in at all. And it, I love the desk. It's beautiful wood. But I end up having these long streams of cables flowing around my office and it's annoying. It is Can annoying. Can I just say my number one recommendation, if you're going to get something for a desk, get a an extension cord. Get like, you know, one of the, why is my brain not working? Power dock? Yeah, like a power strip, thank you, that has, in addition to the three-pong plugs... USB. USB yeah. ports. It will change your life. Yeah, totally. You can never have too many USB ports. Yeah, I and know. It, it's so, like, it's so it. obvious, and yet it yeah. took people so long. Yeah, I was able to charge now, my I mean, headphones, charge right. my phone. It's so nice. There's smart ones that let you like choose which one is on and set them on timers, and you can do that, you know, but... If you just really want to be more basic, you can still get a huge amount of utility out of just a power strip with USB ports. Yeah. And uh, why would you buy a power strip without them at this point? Exactly. So those are our little smart working tips for the week and <laughs> gear recommendations. And so this wraps up episode 63 of the iPhone Life podcast. Remember to email us to let us know what you think of Apple's message reactions. Podcasts at iphonelife.com is how you can reach us there. 
and we look forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Thanks everyone. everyone.